Hello, welcome to another episode. We really thought we were going to record <laughs> like the following week, but we didn't. A lot of stuff's going on since our last recording. But anywhere, I mean not anywhere, but anyways, we left off at, crap, I can't even think. I mean, hold on. I should have looked at this before we started. But this episode's on Barbara Miller. And our last episode was what, Penny, was it Penny Doe? I don't know. had the pennies in the pocket. Yeah, Penny Doe. Well, Barbara Miller, the reason we bring this up, because we said the next case that goes ties into that one. Basically, they kind of wondered if Barbara was the Penny Doe. But anyways, uh, Barbara was dropped off at a bar in Pennsylvania during the morning hours of July 1st, 1989. And she was planning to attend a wedding of a friend later in the day and was carrying a gift as well as clothes for the event. And she apparently attended the ceremony and, you know, pictures was taken there. And well, the weird thing is, which is going to happen with any case, there are some accounts state that she never arrived at the wedding. Oh. So that's always, you know, you always people like, oh, I see her, seen her, and everything. And I'm not, you know what I mean? Yeah. But she is believed to have returned to her home at Sunbury, Pennsylvania, during the early morning hours of July 2nd. And she resided on uh, Penn Street with a former Sunbury police detective uh, who reported her missing. She has never been heard from again, and I read he didn't report her missing for five days. So this is a cop. His name, it goes by Mike. But prior to uh, her disappearance, she was a police informant and provided authorities with information about drug trafficking. So she could have got involved in some bad stuff. But she had received threatening letters from people who warned her, warned her to stop talking to authorities or she would be killed. And about two weeks before she went missing, she told investigators that the matter had been taken care of and asked them to give back the letters she passed on to them. And it is unclear whether she actually did work as an informant or the death threats related to her later disappearance. So, if this is true, then that I could kind of, you know, because there is rumors of it, whether it be confirmed or not. Mm -hmm. But the uh, cop, her boyfriend, uh, I'm assuming boyfriend because it says reside with him. But, you know, yeah. I'm assuming. But he served time in a state prison after her disappearance a conviction convicted of extortion it was stated he was you know the ex-cop and he you know talked with the police investigating you know her case but they refused to meet with them and she had filed complaints with the police about him and told friends she was afraid he would kill her <laughs> so probably a typical what? ego man it's and investigators <laughs> have Basically, I guess you can look at it that way. <laughs> Investigators have identified him as the lead suspect in her case, but that's with any case. Anybody goes missing, a spouse, other spouse is usually the first thing to look at. They gotta rule you out first. Yeah, but she did leave behind a 13-year-old son, and he was the only one who originally told police about the fight. Okay, yeah, he, he was a boyfriend, because here the boy had talked about them fighting, and he's the only one that told police that they fought. And he also knows that the morning after the fight, when she was supposed to attend a wedding, that he was driving her car. Notice there was the yellow clay on the tire, which would indicate concrete work. And authorities searched several mines in an area in Pennsylvania during the years following disappearance and searched a pond 
in 2004, so God, this is 15 years later, and she believed to be a victim of a homicide. She was declared legally dead in the fall of 2002, so it took 13 years to declare her legally dead. But, okay, well, it says her boyfriend had moved into her home after reporting her missing. That small detail, along with the new information, has led police to believe that he killed her, dismembered her body with a wood chipper, and hid her remains inside the walls of his home. So... So it sounds like it was her house that he just lived there. Yeah. And he moved in. And it said that this kind of transpired after three people told police that he, which he's 59 at the time, that's when, you know, when all this was going on, when this idea was brought up, would often get high on cocaine, drive past his sister's home to visit his old lady. And... (laughs) Basically, somebody had told the police that his sister was one of the last people to see Barbara alive. And she just died in January, you know, at that time frame. So she would have died right after, I guess, all that was brought up. But the local police chief was encouraged by the local paper to look at cold case again, find a tip from, I guess, 2009 that said that her remains were inside that house and a tip in the 2004 that had put, so basically going back to this, and here it's talking about if they didn't pay a drug debt they owed him, that they would end up like Barbara Miller did in Kathy's basement, which that would be his sister. So that's kind of interesting if that's what he does. Yeah. Which the boy, he's 13 years old. He, he kind of knows what's going on. So, you know, something fishy going around. And um, they said the homeowners of the home let investigators into the basement where they found highly suspicious construction including a concrete floor that was added on with what looked like hand mixed concrete so that was the last i could find anything on the case so i can't remember exactly in the penny doe case like i had all this in my mind until then everything (laughs) everything happened so and still happening we should say so if I remember that, wasn't it? They said Penny Doe had been dead for a while, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't see them these being connected. You know, due to that thing, like they've never found her. But I think, if I remember correctly, like she would have been possibly dead before eighty nine, if I remember. Or you know what I mean, like in the time frame, like the time frame wouldn't have added up. Is what I'm thinking of what was in my head from before. So I personally don't think they tie in together. And, and I would assume since a lot of that was in 2009, 2004 area, and they still haven't connected her to her yet. So I don't know if they have ran DNA. Yeah, I don't think anything. it's connected. So it's, it's very possible it could still be connected in a way. But that was kind of how those two tied in together. But hopefully we'll be able to record some more episodes soon. and. And again, on a regular basis, I know we say this about every episode we've done this year, <laughs> but literally something so much. <laughs> something comes up, it seems like, right after we record, uh, or, well, short period of time, I just wasn't feeling it fully, and just mentally not there, then she's got her, you know, medical issues and stuff, and then just getting the kids situated with, you know, virtual schooling and all that, so... Them with work-related stuff, so it gets interesting. But uh, we thank you all for tuning in on this episode, and like I said, we'll hopefully return soon. But I do have some stuff planned, and some new things came up. 
um, with the gentleman I just started writing. So hopefully I can get that because he talked about writing stuff for the podcast about his case and maybe some other things. Because I shot him a letter not that long ago, which he replied back, but I don't think he, from reading the letter, I don't think he's got my letter yet because he was just saying, you know, just kind of shooting another letter out. So hopefully I can, we can get some stuff and maybe get him situated, which that lady that I had talked to about being on the podcast from Tennessee, I haven't heard back from her. Like a true crime field is really weird to get in, like into because you got so many people that, you know, oh crap. They kind of feel like if, say you write, say, we'll take Edmund Camper, say, for an example, say that Edmund Camper is writing you and you had posted about it. Somebody online that also is in the true crime will write them saying, hey, you know, they're they're talking about talking to you. Because like with the BTK, um, you get on the, his Viper list. So he has people like if you post anything about him that, you you know, or try to sell his stuff, you get put on the Viper list. and He won't write you. That could be why I haven't heard from him. But I never like I shared stuff you know, online before, but not, I've not sold any of his stuff, but I've like shared, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like saying, Hey, I got a letter from, but also shared his envelopes when I first got them. I'm like, Oh my God, you know, cause when I first wrote him, he wrote back in like 10 days. So, uh, which I've been 2014, but he also is getting older though too. But yeah. Just kind of funny with the Viper list, but hopefully that's not what happened. What was her name? Natasha. I hope that's not what happened with her, but Eric, the Eric Miller, if you're in the group, then that's the recent gentleman I've been writing to. I wrote to some new people. I'm working on my third book, hoping to have that out next year, trying to put everything together. I have quite a, the rough draft, a lot of it completely done. I just getting everything together, and I have to scan the letters on the computer where I share their letters in the books. But uh, we thank you all. Sorry, I got a little off topic there at the end, but that's just kind of an update on everything. So, but thank you all for your time and we'll see you on the next one.